Michael Pollan, author of The Omnivore's Dilemma and Real Food Hero, aptly describes as our national eating disorder. I embraced every new diet as if it had the potential to solve all my problems, following every ridiculous rule without question or exception. In retrospect, the most interesting part is not that I tried all these diets. Clearly, I was not alone in my efforts. But that I was good at them. I was very thin, i.e. successful, on my low-fat regimen in high school. I was a ballerina and definitely looked the part. After I stopped dancing and put some weight back on, I had no trouble abandoning bread, rice, and potatoes for several years while I got back down to a size zero on the Atkins diet. I gladly woke up at 5 a.m. for two-hour workouts every weekday and clocked three-hour long runs every Sunday for marathon training during my first few years of graduate school. Though my successes may have been fleeting, a weak will has never been the reason. The problem wasn't me. The problem was that starving yourself of energy, nutrients, and pleasure is not the most effective way to attain, let alone maintain, the body you want. It is also no way to live your life. Chronic dieters believe that success comes from sacrifice. If only we could deprive ourselves a little more, punish our bodies even harder, then we could finally look amazing and, of course, be happy. But as someone who has tortured herself in every way imaginable, I can guarantee you that this path does not lead to happiness. Why? Because it turns life into a constant struggle. You never really win if you're dieting. When you are constantly depriving yourself, happiness is always just out of reach. So even if you could confidently identify the best, most effective restrictive diet, why should this be your goal? Shouldn't there be more to life than constantly denying yourself the things you enjoy? Now you're thinking like a foodist. As simple and logical as this sounds, I know from experience that ending deprivation is tough for chronic dieters. No pain, no gain is fundamental to our psyche. Don't we deserve to suffer for being so fat? Most of us have been victims of a vicious, convoluted feedback loop through which we are rewarded for our sacrifices with temporary but often dramatic weight loss at the beginning of each new diet. This creates the illusion of success. But you have to ask yourself, shouldn't real success be defined by lasting, not temporary weight loss? Nutritionists and MDs haven't helped much either. Virtually all weight loss experts tell us we need to eat less and move more to lose weight, with the obvious implication being that we need to diet, deprive ourselves, and exercise, suffer at the gym, to achieve our goals. You can't break the first law of thermodynamics. It's science. But this line of thinking neglects the reasons we are compelled to overeat in the first place and doesn't give us the tools we need to actually implement their simple eat less, move more, lose weight equation. It also implies that failure stems from a lack of willpower. Why aren't you eating less like you're supposed to? Rather than from a plan that fails to account for the nuances of the human psyche. How many people do you know who eat solely for fuel? All the thin people, right? <laughs> Not a chance. Sure, we all sometimes eat because we're hungry. But the specific foods we choose and how much we eat are largely influenced by our habits and environment. In other words, it is not the concept of eating less to lose weight that is wrong, but the idea that we can lose weight and keep it off without accounting for why we make the choices we do. My own experiences convinced me that willpower was not the missing piece of the equation. After all, I was following all the rules, but maintaining my weight was still a constant struggle. At the time, I didn't know what I was missing, but I was confident that humans have not always had this problem and that something about our current weight loss paradigm must be wrong. 
It wasn't until my second year of grad school that I realized I finally had enough training in biology to go directly to the scientific literature for answers. Before, I had relied on diet books and magazine articles to fumble my way through different weight loss strategies. Now that I had the knowledge and lab experience to read and understand the science, I wanted to see the data for myself. Not surprisingly, even at this stage I went about my research all wrong. From my chronic dieter's perspective, I was looking for the perfect diet, partially expecting some version of low-carb to be the answer. This had been the easiest, after all. So in the beginning, my findings were very discouraging. The first thing I learned is that for the most part, diets don't work for long-term weight loss. In fact, going on some sort of weight loss diet is actually a significant predictor of weight gain. So, that said, you can lose weight, at least for a little while, on any diet. Compared to low-fat diets, low-carb diets tend to have a more dramatic effect on weight loss in the beginning, but the weight will usually creep back on within a year.